0: Be turning your Bibles to the Book of Luke, chapter one. Today in our uh, this is our continuing series on God is calling. I know two weeks ago Alex did to uh, Abraham, then you know, last week we were at the park, and so we're going to pick up with our our, uh, our series here. And we're going to be talking about Mary, the mother of Jesus, called to the extraordinary. Mary called to the extraordinary. And we're going to be reading in just a few minutes, beginning here in, uh, in Luke uh, chapter 1, verse 26. But let me give you a little background here on Mary to sort of set the, the, uh, the tone of, uh, of what we're doing and who she is, what's going to be happening in her life. At this time in her life, Mary is a Jewish teenage girl. So we have, we have some teenage girls here, right? So I'm a little older than teenagers, but we have some teenage girls here. <laughs> she's a, a teenage girl, most likely from the tribe of Levi. We know that because she goes and visits uh, her relative, Elizabeth, and they're of the tribe of Levi. So she's probably of the tribe of Levi. She's from a small, remote mountain town, fairly insignificant town in that area of the world, southwest of the Sea of Galilee called Nazareth. She is betrothed to the local carpenter of town, a guy named Joseph. Now, you say, what does it mean to be betrothed? That means basically a contract or a promise that you're going to be getting married somewhere uh, down the line, somewhere in, in the future, probably in the not too distant future, a little bit. M- Probably like we would say, a person is engaged, if you know what I'm saying. But this was a little bit more than an engagement in general sense. It was a little bit more of a contract. Generally, not because uh, people had fallen in love with each other, but because their parents had gotten together and decided that uh, we want to marry off our daughter uh, to your son and and all that. Uh, That was the tradition of how people got married back then more so. Uh, You know, in, in our day, that doesn't really happen very much. Probably not at all in America. But uh, maybe some parts of the world. But she was betrothed to Joseph. And it was planning that she would be getting married uh, down the way. If you looked at her life. If you took a snapshot of her. If you had a video of her day-to-day life. At that time of her life. The time that we're going to look at here. It would have been absolutely nothing extraordinary. There would have been nothing about this girl's life. That you would have looked at her and said... This girl right here, that teenage girl right there, her life is going to have an impact on billions of people's lives from that time on. And so when we're looking at Mary here, we're really looking at someone that extraordinary things happened from her life, but at this time in her life, you wouldn't necessarily have seen it coming. You know, it's one of those deals, wow, I didn't see that coming. Something like that ever happened in your life? Yeah. Mm-hmm. You know, sometimes you see things happening and you expect it to happen. You know, like last, this last week, if you're an NFL football fan, they had the draft, right? Yeah. And the guys who were the, the top guys, uh, you know, they absolutely expected to be drafted, Right? They didn't know which team necessarily was going to take them, but they expected to be drafted. So when they got drafted, it wasn't like, oh, I can't believe it. You know, that that kind of a thing. Imagine if you were a college football player and uh, someone calls you on the phone and says, oh, by the way, you just got picked by the the Los Angeles Rams. Or the St. Louis Rams. Sorry about that. (laughs) The the Los Angeles what? (laughs) The Los Angeles nothings, uh, because that, unfortunately that's what we are right now, uh, we're, we're the we're the team to be named later, uh, really, uh, actually, <laughs> but anyway, I mean, you're, you're just, oh really, I got picked, I, I could have never imagined that, sometimes in life you expect things, sometimes in life uh, you don't, this girl's life, nothing was going on at this point, and we're going to pick it up and read this story, nothing in her life right uh, up to this point would have given any indication that she was going to be who that she became. Verse 26. In the sixth month, now that's the sixth month of the pregnancy of her uh, relative, Elizabeth, that's going to be uh, birthing John the Baptist. In the sixth month, God sent the angel Gabriel to Nazareth, a town in Galilee, to a virgin pledged to be married to a man named Joseph, a descendant, of David. So he's from the tribe of Judah. The virgin's name was Mary. The angel went to her and said, "Greetings, you who are highly favored. The Lord is with you." Mary was greatly troubled at his words. Yeah, you can imagine. That would shake you up a little bit, wouldn't it? She was greatly troubled at his words and wondered what kind of greeting this might be. But the angel said to her, "Do not be afraid. Mary, you have found favor with God. You will be with child and give birth to a son and you are to give him the name Jesus. He will be great and we will be called the son of the most high. The Lord God will give him the throne of his father David and he will reign over the house of Jacob forever. His kingdom will never end. Basically, he tells her in the language that she would have understood, you are going to give birth to the Messiah. Verse 34, how can this be? Mary asked the angel, since I'm a virgin. And some people say, well, how, you know, she she wouldn't have known. I'm saying, listen, I'm, I'm I'm not a girl here, but I'm pretty sure she knew. You understand what I'm saying? How can this be? Since I'm a virgin. The angel answered. The Holy Spirit will come upon you and the power of the Most High will overshadow you. Now you've got to admit, that right there would flat shake you up a little bit. What? So the Holy One born will be called the Son of God. Even Elizabeth, your relative, is going to have a child in her old age. And she who is said to be barren is in her sixth month. For nothing is impossible with God. I am the Lord's servant, Mary answered. May it be to me as you have said. And then the angel left her. This girl had an experience here that she did not see coming. Gabriel the angel appears to her. Says, you are going to give birth to the Messiah. She says, how can this be? I'm not even married. And he goes on to explain, what's going to happen within you is not normal. It's extraordinary. You're going to have a child in a way that nobody's ever had a child before or ever will have a child again. She says, how can this be? He says, don't worry about it. Nothing is impossible with God. Now he, in the midst of all that, says something to her that I really want us to drill down on here a little bit. He says, you have found favor with God. In other words, God didn't just say, this needs to happen, Uh, let's just randomly, uh, let's do a lottery of all the young girls In, in, uh, in this part of the world at this time, and let's, let's see who comes up. She was chosen. There was something about the way she was living her life that she was special. She was unique. I don't think people saw her in the market and said, oh, look at that unique and special girl. But there was something she was doing the way she was living her life that brought about what happened in her life. And that brings me to the first point. She did what was right when it seemed that nobody noticed. There's no indication here that anybody noticed anything about this girl up to this time in her life at all. She's from an insignificant town in an insignificant part of that part of the world. She's nobody from nowhere is who this girl is. And all of a sudden, it becomes clear to her that this is going to happen. Now, this type of event actually happened before in the Old Testament in the choosing of David to be king. Let's go back and let's look at that story because it's a great story very much like this one. In 1 Samuel chapter 16. First Samuel sixteen, we have a very similar type of situation in that Saul the king has been rejected by God, and, and there 's going to be a new king that 's going to be uh, sort of raised up, a new king is going to take king saul 's place and it 's going to be David. But what happens here is very similar in that the events that that unroll here David has no idea what 's going on, and he ends up being the one that 's picked in First Samuel chapter sixteen in the Old Testament, you guys getting there. Yeah. We're going to pick it up verse 1. It says, Then the Lord said to Samuel, How long will you mourn for Saul, since I've rejected him as king over Israel? Fill your horn with oil and be on your way. I am sending you to Jesse of Bethlehem. I have chosen one of his sons to be king. So he says, I want you to go. Quit worrying about Saul. We've got to move on now. I want you to go to Bethlehem. I want you to this guy named Jesse. One of his sons is going to be the, the new king. And then come on down. And we'll pick up the reading in verse 6. It says, When they arrived, Samuel saw Eliab. Now, Eliab is the oldest son. When he saw Eliab, and he thought, Surely the Lord's anointed stands here before the Lord. He looks at the oldest boy of Jesse and says, Wow, this must be the new king. Must have been an impressive young man, right? But the Lord said to Samuel, Do not consider his appearance. So apparently he's a good looking young man. Or his height. Apparently he was a tall, good looking young man. For I have rejected him. That's not to say the guy's not a bad guy. It's just to say he's not going to be the new king. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. The Lord is not impressed by the things that people are impressed with. I mean, what what impresses people? About people? How they look. Are they tall? What is their skin complexion? Are they well educated? Where did they go to school? What kind of clothes do they wear? What kind of car do they drive? What kind of house do they live in? Those are the things that we look at a person and we say, yeah, athletic ability, academic ability, how much money they have. Those are the kind of things that people look at And they're impressed with. The Lord does not look at the things that man looks at. Those things are not noticed by God. They aren't important, he's saying. Man looks at the outward appearance, but the Lord looks at the heart. Then Jesse called Abinadab. This is the second oldest son. And had him pass in front of Samuel. But Samuel said, The Lord has not chosen this one either. Jesse then had Shammah pass by. But Samuel said, Nor has the Lord chosen this one. Jesse had seven of his sons pass before Samuel. But Samuel said to him, The Lord has not chosen these. So he asked Jesse, Are these all the sons you have? Seven boys... Walked in front of Samuel, and God said, No, 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 no. It got to the end of the line. Do you do you have any more sons? (laughs) Look at this answer. They're still the youngest, Jesse answered, but he's tending the sheep. Now you gotta imagine this. The guy is coming to appoint one of your sons as the new king. And you didn't even invite this one to the event. (laughs) He's the youngest one. We put him out taking care of the sheep. Samuel said, send for him. We will not sit down until he arrives. So he sent for him and had him brought in. He was ruddy with a fine appearance and handsome features. He's a good looking young man too. Then the Lord said, rise and anoint him. He's the one. God does not look at the things that man looks at. God looks at the heart. That's not to say these other boys were not good young men. They probably were. But there was something about David. There was something about Mary. She's going to do extraordinary things. I think what we do that we think is not being noticed... sometimes are the things that are the most important things of our life. You moms, who knows what your children are going to do? Going back to that that video we just looked at with Kevin Durant, I doubt very seriously when that young family, that mom and those two young boys were sitting in that apartment, that she thought, you know, one day my son is going to be an NBA star. A matter of fact, he's going to be an all-star. He's going to be the best player, the most valuable player in all the league. And, and he's going to, in the, in the midst of receiving this reward, is going to praise me. I doubt very seriously that was running through her mind. <laughs> But, you know, isn't it interesting the thing that he remembered was the things like, you know, we always always had food. Now, I'm betting sometimes it may have been Kraft macaroni and cheese. But you know what? They always had food. She took care of them. Sometimes the things that we do that aren't necessarily noticed become the most important things that happen in the life. Who knows what your children, moms, are going to do? Who knows what your grandchildren are going to do? Who knows the impact that they are going to have and will have on hundreds and thousands and millions of people's lives. Sometimes we just absolutely do not know what we do and the influence that it has on people around us. When I started the Chicago church way, 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 way back, years ago, the Lord blessed us with a lot of growth, and we we grew from just a little group that was in Oak Park, a, a suburban area there of Chicago, and we moved down, and we were in uh, uh, one of the the big auditoriums uh, in in downtown Chicago, and we were having at that time probably uh, two or three thousand people at church on Sunday, and one Sunday a, a couple came in, a young. Married couple came in and they sat real close to the front of, of, of the, the event. Now, you know, most of the uh, most of the people who came to church came to church because somebody invited them. These people came to church and nobody had invited them to church. As a matter of fact, they called somebody and said, where, where does that guy, uh, Ben Holt, go to church? Because I remember growing up, Dad used to take us to church where Ben Holt went to church. And Ben was one of the men who was a member of the church in Chicago at that time. But this young couple, this guy, this husband of that young couple, he's remembering what his dad said about this guy, about what went on 25 years ago or more in their life. And see, this guy that Ben had brought to church a couple times, was just sort of a guy in the community. And he invited him to come on out to church. And it was a little church of Christ in suburban Chicago. little insignificant group, frankly. And he invited him to come to church. And they came to church a lot. They never became Christians, to my knowledge. But they came to church and they brought their children to church. And this guy was a child. That his dad was bringing him to church because Ben Holt invited him to go to church and then he went off. His, his life went, went one way. He went to college. He got married. His dad was working with a guy who was making candy in his garage. And they worked together for years and they built that, that little candy shop that they had into Fannie Mae candies. And the guy that was the main guy of Fannie Mae Candies didn't have anybody to give his fortune to. And so when he was writing his will, he said, well, I'm going to give it to my partner. And he gave it to this guy's dad. And no sooner had he given it to that guy, and that guy passed away as well. And so all of a sudden now, this young guy that had done nothing to inherit to to, to make money now was a multi-millionaire and he was living his life now and he was frustrated with his life and it occurred to him one day I need to go to church had no idea where to go to church but they were living in downtown Chicago and he remembered back yeah we remember we went to church when I was a kid dad went with a guy named Ben Holt I wonder where Ben's going to church now and he got a hold of Ben And Ben said, we meet down at the Shrine Auditorium in downtown Chicago. Come on in. And so he came on into the church. (coughs) You see, sometimes we have no idea. The one invitation to the one person who comes, and the children remember. Sometimes the children remember more than the parents. (laughs) While we went to that church, it was a really cool church. (laughs) Sometimes the things we do that we don't think are noticed are the most important things that happen. I'll share about my mom here a quick story. She married my dad. My dad uh, was uh, raised in a Christian-type family, very highly moral family, but not really churchgoers. And when she got married to him, she said, well, you know, I go to church. I'm a member of the Church of Christ. And I go to church on Sunday morning, Sunday night, and Wednesday night. And for those of you who are old-time Church of Christ people, you know what that means. It It didn't make any difference if... Disney's wild word of color, came on Sunday night. The Church of Christ people went to church on Sunday night. And she told my dad, I I go to church. And he said, that's fine, I don't want to go with you. And he didn't. For years. And then he started to go to church every once in a while with my mom. And decided, you know, I need to become a Christian. And went to the Minister and said, you need to help me become a real Christian. How many times she went to church and dad stayed home? You know, sometimes the things we do that we have no idea are the most important things. Why did my dad eventually become a Christian? Because he stayed at home and my mom went to church. Well, you can stay at home, I'm going to church. Now, no one, she, there's no accountability here. No, no one's holding her accountable. She went because she knew it's what she should do. And if he wanted to stay at home, that was his business. That she was going to go. She had no idea that her son, me, would grow up to be a minister. None. None. <laughs> And believe me, I didn't give her any hint during, uh, during my, my, my younger years. See, it's the things we do that aren't noticed sometimes that are the most important things. Why did my dad become a Christian? Because my mom went to church and left him at home. You understand what I'm saying? It's the things we do that no one notices sometimes that have the biggest influence in our life, we don't know anything about Mary's life. All we know is she's lived this life up to this time, and God says, Wow, you are highly favored. You're the one that can be the vessel through which I bring my son physically into the world. That's an unbelievable thing for us to think about. The things she did when it seemed that nobody noticed. Second thing I want to notice here is a story that comes a little bit later on in their life. Look over to Luke here, Luke chapter 2. I don't want to go real late because I know all of us have family plans and all that. But there are a couple more things to notice about Mary that I think are they're extraordinary things, really, when you think about it. In Luke chapter uh, two, uh, you know, we we sort of fast forward the story so so uh, she's going to have this baby. She has the baby. There's a lot of great stories here and things we could make note of. But uh, but we're going to go ahead and we we're going to fast forward now to where. Jesus Himself is a young guy. He's he's 12 years old. In in verse 41, it says, Every year His parents went to Jerusalem for the Feast of the Passover. That's interesting. Every year of Jesus' life, He had gone to to the Passover with His parents. From Nazareth all the way down to Jerusalem. When He was 12 years old, they went up to the Feast according to the custom. After the Feast was over, while His parents were returning home, the boy Jesus stayed behind in Jerusalem... But they were unaware of it, thinking He was in their company. They traveled for a day. So they, they go for a whole day thinking that Jesus is in the gang of people from Nazareth that all went down. They traveled in like a little caravan of, of families and neighbors that all went down together. And, and they re, were returning together. And they thought, well, Jesus is just out <laughs> messing around with some of His friends. You know, sort of typical kid in parent type situation here. They traveled for a day, and then they began looking for him among their relatives and friends. When they did not find him, they went back to Jerusalem to look for him. They thought, well, he, he's not here. He must be back in Jerusalem. After three days, so probably three days total, two days of looking for him in Jerusalem... They found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to them and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. That's interesting. They were astonished at their son. His mother said to him... Now, this is really interesting. His mother said to him, Son... Why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously searching for you. I'm thinking she's a little annoyed right here. Probably more than a little annoyed at her son. Why were you searching for me? He asked. Didn't you know I had to be in my father's house? But they did not understand what he was saying to them. I'll bet they didn't. (laughs) they were ticked off at him why did you treat us like this and he comes back well I'm doing my thing here like a 12 year old would say but look at this now then he went down to Nazareth with them and was obedient to them But his mother treasured all these things in her heart. And Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and men. Jesus grew up to be a big, strong guy. He's working with his dad in the carpenter shop. He's a smart guy. Smart enough to sit down with the the temple hotshots there. And they were impressed with him. But we see an interesting thing here. She was astonished with... With Jesus. But she still parented Him. She was astonished at Him. But she still parented Him. You know, she would have read the Old Testament Scriptures about parenting. She would have known what the old law said. That you need to teach your children. You need to talk to them about things. That children need to obey their parents. She was astonished at her child. And he must have been something to be astonished at, really. Can you imagine? Jesus being your oldest child. That, that would be quite a child to have, wouldn't it? She was astonished. She was impressed with her son. But she still parented him. Parents, your children need Parents. Jesus needed parents. It says that He went back. He's age 12. He goes back and it specifically notes that He was obedient to His parents. Your parents do not need buddies. From you. Now they need buddies, they need friends, but they do not need you to be their buddies and their friends. That isn't to say by any stretch of the imagination that you don't love and there's not a friendship that you don't share with your children. But what I see with so many parents today, and it's not good parenting, is that they they abdicate their role of being parent. They want to be pals with their kids. Children need parents to be parents. There's plenty of pals in the world. There's plenty of friends. There's plenty of buddies that they'll have in their life. My children now are 29, uh, nearly. Ben will be 29 next week. 29 and and 27. The girls will be 28 uh, a little bit later this year. They are now raised and out of our house. In that one sense, there's more of a... Adult-adult relationship that I have with my children. But even to this day, they need me to be dad. They need Chris to be mom. They all have friends. They have associates. They have buddies. But they need their parents to be parents. Parents don't ever give up the role. Your children need you to be Their parent, my mother is 83 years old. We have much more of a, a adult, adult relationship with each other, but she's still my mother. And she needs to have that role in my life. She needs to feel the respect and honor that I show her that is unique to the relationship that a son or daughter has with the mother. It actually shapes my character. It makes me be the kind of person I need to be to show honor to my mother and to treat her with respect. It makes me a better person. It makes my children better people to honor and to respect me as their parent. We live in a world where honor and respect seems to be so out of fashion. Mary expected her boy, even though he was the Son of God. She was still her son. And, son, I don't appreciate the way you're acting, is what she said to him when she found him talking to the elders in the temple courts. I think that's unbelievable. What an extraordinary woman that had the courage and the conviction to talk to the Son of God with that kind of conviction. Last thing I want us to note here, we'll read a couple of scriptures and we'll tie this thing all together. And this is the last thing I want to make note of here with Mary, is that she was more than just mom, she was a disciple. Look over to Mark chapter 6. We're just going to read these real quickly here. This little scriptures about uh, Jesus and His mother. And noting that she's more than just mom now. She's becoming more of a disciple. In Matthew, or Mark chapter 6 verse 1, it says, Jesus left there and went to His hometown. So He leaves uh, where He was and He goes back to Nazareth. And accompanied by His disciples. When the Sabbath came, He began to teach in the synagogue. And many who heard Him were amazed. So His neighbors and friends are amazed with Him too. Where did this man get these things, they ask. What's this wisdom that has been given him that he even does miracles? Isn't this the carpenter? His neighbors and friends knew him as the carpenter. He had obviously taken over his father as they understood it. Joseph took over his business. Joseph it isn't said specifically but it's always been understood that Joseph died. And for whatever reason, he's out of the picture, probably dead. And and now, Jesus took on the family business, and he's the carpenter. Isn't this the carpenter? Isn't this Mary's son and the brother? Now look at this now. The brother. So there are other children that come along from Mary and Joseph. Isn't this the brother of James, Joseph, Judas, and Simon? Aren't his sisters here with us? So count that up. One, two, three, four... There are four other males in this family and sisters. We don't know how many sisters. This is a pretty big family. They said, we know who this guy is. He's a carpenter. We know all his family. We know him by name. And they took offense at him. So he's out doing his ministry now. And Mary is part of that. Look over now to John chapter 2. Things get going in, the, in the, the ministry and she knows who He is and she knows what He can do. And so they have an event that goes on, chapter 2, verse 1. It says, on the third day a wedding took place in Cana and Galilee. Jesus' mother was there and Jesus and His disciples had also been invited to the wedding. You know, you don't really think about that. Jesus got a wedding invite. Ha! Wow! And so did his mother. And so they're all at the wedding together of a neighbor or friend somewhere there up in Nazareth. When the wine was gone, Jesus' mother said to him, they have no more wine. So they run out of wine. Why? I don't know. There were more people there than they thought. They were drinking more than they thought they were going to drink. I don't know. Maybe they had some good wine. Dear woman, he says, Mom... Why do you involve me? Jesus replied. My time has not yet come. His mother said to the servants, Do whatever He tells you. <laughs> you got to love this. They're out of wine. There's a rumor going on. They're out of wine. And, and so, Mary goes up to Jesus and said, Jesus, They're out of wine. Can you do something? She knows he can do something. He looks at her and says, Mom, I'm at a wedding. I'm trying to relax here with my friends. And she turns to the servants and says, Hey, 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 do whatever he tells you to do. It's going to be good. Nearby stood six six stone water jars, the kind used by the Jews for ceremonial washing, each holding from 20 to 30 gallons. Jesus said to the servants, Fill the jars with water. So they filled them to the brim. And then He told them, Now draw some out and take it to the master of the banquet. They did so, and the master of the banquet tasted the water that had been turned into wine. He did not realize where it had come from, though the servants who had drawn the water knew. Then He called the bridegroom aside, and He said, Everyone brings out the choice wine first, and then the cheaper wine later after the guests have had too much to drink. In other words, you bring the stuff that you get in a bottle and you serve it to them first, right? They've had a few glasses, now you bring out the stuff that you get in a box. You bring the cheaper wine out last, okay? And and anyway, Jesus is there, Mary is there, the ministry is going. Look over to John 19. She's not only there at the beginning, she's there at the end. Jesus is on the cross, and the pastor is going to look at right now. John 19, verse 25. Jesus is on the cross. Mary was there at the beginning. She was there when the ministry started. She's still there. Near the cross of Jesus stood His mother. Wow. His mother's sister, or His aunt, or auntie. Mary, the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene. When Jesus saw his mother there and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, that's John. He said to his mother, dear mother or dear woman, here is your son. In other words, mom, I'm dying. John's going to take care of you. And he said to the disciple, here is your mother. John, I'm dying. Take care of my mom. From that time on, this disciple took her into his home. John understood the message. Message received. It's going to be my job to take care of your mom. Lastly, look over to Acts chapter 1. Acts chapter 1 verse 14, Jesus now died, He's resurrected according to the first part of chapter 1 there. And we, we find that they returned in verse 12 to Jerusalem. It's, it's, it's a small group of people, about 115 we find in verse 15. But look at verse 14, they all joined together constantly in prayer along with the women and Mary, the mother of Jesus and His brothers. Mary now is more than just mom. Mary is a disciple. Mary not only understands who Jesus is as her son, she understands Jesus now as her Lord. This is an extraordinary woman. Interestingly enough, and almost fascinatingly, that's it. She is never mentioned again in the history of the church in Jerusalem or in any other way in the rest of the New Testament. What an extraordinary life, though, that she lived. What she did when no one noticed set her up for greatness. Are you doing things that nobody notices that God notices and says, I appreciate you? You see, sometimes it's a real temptation for us to do things and want to be noticed. We want credit. We, we want to get the credit. We want someone to notice me. It's what we do that's right, that isn't noticed oftentimes, are the things that Jesus notices, that God our Father notices, that sets us up for things down the road more than any other events of our life. It's not the ones that you're getting credit for. It's not the things that people notice. It's the things that you do that are right things, that nobody notices perhaps, that God notices that often are the very things that set up our life and things in the future. Parents, be astonished at your children. But for God's sake, parent them. And realize Mary, Mary was not just mom. She was mom. But Mary was also a disciple. It took a lot of courage to go to the cross. Took a lot of courage to watch your son die. Took a lot of courage to see what was thought to be a criminal and a dangerous person die. That she identified herself publicly. I know who this man is. I know who he is, my son. And then we find her that little snapshot of Acts 1. That when the early church, before it really even became the church in chapter 2, when they were together, constantly in prayer, Mary was there with them. She had gone from mom. She wasn't just mom anymore. She was a disciple as well. I hope that uh, this study of Mary and the calling of Mary has been an encouragement for you. Moms! Have a great day. Enjoy the love of all your uh, children, your family, those of you who have moms in other places. Call them, email them, contact them, uh, you know, uh, telepathically or however you do it. Uh, But make sure that all the moms that we have an opportunity to touch in our life have a great Moms Day today. You are dismissed.